0: Live with Doug Chapman. We are both drinking coffee. It must be early in Michigan. 9 a.m., baby. Same as your time. Oh, we got the same time zone in Michigan and Florida? Very cool. So, Doug, I'm in Florida now. Yeah, last time we saw each other, I was probably still living in New York. Dude. So, I'm in Florida. Um, And, you know, brief introduction. Doug owns HyperFit USA, which is also CrossFit Ann Arbor. Was that the first affiliate in Michigan?
1: Oh, yeah. We are actually – it was funny. I saw Chris Bowler had, um he had been like the eighth or ninth affiliate back in the day, and now he's – like because of, cause of attrition, um, he's like the number one. And I went from number 13 to I think number five or six now overall in the world.
0: Yeah, when I had Chris Cooper on a couple weeks ago, we were saying in the at the lounge at the games, they had a list of all the affiliates chronologically – and all of us had kind of moved up pretty high because I was like 200. So
1: what about the attrition rate on that? It's like, it's, you know, at one point what we we're put, pushing, what, 24,000 affiliates or 23,000. And now there's like 13, you know, I, I don't remember. Do you remember the official things that I mean, we were talking about it on staff? It was like they were saying like, oh, we can't wait that we hit 25,000. That? It, it,
0: it's been getting up. Uh, yeah, I know it was really high at one point. I don't remember the official numbers. I know they say today it's around fifteen thousand affiliates. Yeah.
1: So, so and, then, and then a lot of them, you know, I mean, they think about how you moved up, right? You know, it's like you started out at 127th and now you're 37, right? So you can map into whatever the attrition rate. I think who was it? Uh, Jeremy Jones. Remember Jeremy from um from what was that What was the thing is is that cross he had the san francisco fire it was the uh diablo.
0: Diablo, diablo yeah diablo crossfit yeah, yeah. he's like
1: super engineering kind of like super smart guy and he had actually come up with a kind of a an attrition model based one remember they had all the affiliates on the on the old website
0: i uh, uh, chronol, yeah in the
1: chronological order yeah and that yeah. was he did that a while ago and i, I remember looking at it you know, I mean, I got, I got, I don't have that much time on my hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you, you know, you, you are now, you know, one of the first 10 or 20 based on attrition. But I don't know if you remember, I believe you were at my level one that I took in 2007 in Toronto. Yep. Uh-huh. I remember meeting you there. I was impressed because you were on the website a little bit prior to that. What what brought you to the level one crew back then? When did you get on there?
1: Well, the way it was done differently back then, because nobody got paid to go, right? Everybody was—I um, remember it was a big deal when they started to pay people to go, and then they went to the level two thing. Remember the? Do you remember when they went to the level two cert?
0: Well, they, was, they went to the cert, but originally it was if you just show up again, you're level two. Yes. Yeah.
1: And but what they had done was, um they started you know, it was, it was back in the day and we would bring, actually, I remember in Pittsburgh, I brought a couple of my my friends over there and they didn't have enough equipment at CrossFit Pittsburgh. And so we brought, I brought a, a carload of stuff. It's actually Bill Henniger and Chris Tamer and, you know, a few other people all rode out there. We all were all out there together because Chris had played for the Penguins back in the day. And we had a whole bunch of, of D balls and, you know, and uh, medicine balls. Cause they didn't have enough medicine balls at the time. I don't th- think, um, I don't think they had enough of them. And so we brought them out in Chris's truck, and it was cool because it was, it was the first time they did groups, and they were evaluating instructors, and it was, it was pretty cool. I think it was
0: 2008. The Level 2s, yeah, I think, yeah, because I took mine in 2008. How long were you officially a part of the Level 1 seminar staff? Until 2014. 2014, and then you, yeah. you stepped down from staff? Yep. You, you know, so one thing about you is you've had quite a few changes In your CrossFit journey, I suppose, going from, you know, at one point, HyperFit USA was a a huge facility, correct?
1: Yeah, we had, well, it it was, remember, I started HyperFit in 2003. And in 2003, I started a a kind of a boot camp program before I'd gone CrossFit. I was doing constantly varied functional movements that executed high intensity anyway. It just kind of like when I went I, when I Grout Glassman, I'm like, oh, dude, this is, this is like the, you know, I've, I found the book in the Bible that I was missing, right? And, and so I'd already had this, this personal training business and boot camp business. And so I had 175 people in, enrolled in my boot camp program and then about 30 personal training clients. So I was working really, really full time-ish. And so I went to go set up Affiliate, and, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, get, get a storage container or you know, whatever they were doing. And, and I opened a place of 8,000 square feet at the beginning. It was, you know, 12 years. I was 11, 11, 11 or 12 years I was in the same place.
0: So, and then, so you, so you shut down, and now HyperFit and CrossFit Ann Arbor is basically in your garage.
1: Yeah, I have a, I'll, I'll, I'd have to send you a couple of pictures of it it's pretty rad. You
0: yeah, know, we'll all- definitely post those pictures when people listen to this episode. So, you know, we don't want to dive too far into the weeds, but I think a lot of people have gone through some of the same things you've gone through as an affiliate owner. I know I did myself, and it's, it's frustrating. You know, you have these coaches, and you want to develop them, and ultimately, it's like your kids, they leave the house, but sometimes they do it nice, and sometimes they don't. We don't have to dive, you know, too far, so whatever you're willing to talk about. But what were some of the... Changes that led to you, you know, downsizing, if you will.
1: Well, the thing is, is that my, one of the key strategies I did differently. Like one of my good friends, he's going to meet me at ten o'clock, so that's why he like this. I I booked this whole thing in here. He owns another CrossFit affiliate, right? Good friend of mine. And my philosophy was, in order to have quality training. And then in what I call quality training, because there's a whole bunch of metrics you need to have in order to, you know, quality, right? It's like Six Sigma. You need to be able to track me- metrics. And if the metrics aren't there, then you really don't have quality. You can, you can have anecdotal stuff. Oh, yeah, we got this. We got that. Bullshit. So my, my philosophy was is I'm going to try and find a way to get guys to be full-time instructors and have professional coaches. So what you end up with is this is that also creates a weakness for the business because you end up with three or four you know three guys right you have forty five classes a week or forty classes a week everyone's getting twelve classes a week nobody is actually really full time at that point right it's not really you know and depending on what you're paying um, people don't make a living or can't or it's difficult and so you supplement that by giving them personal training. So you can do that, right, and you can focus on quality instruction, progressions, really have kind of a, a paradigm of of excellence, if you want to call it that way. Then there's an entirely different model, which is probably a better business model, because if one of those – because each one of those instructors you have creates a cult of personality, right? Oh, I love my 9 a.m. class. It's fantastic. It's – uh. It's cool, right? That's the way they do it. But if they decide to go down the street or set up down there, it's like, you know, you you lose, you've got 300 members, you lose 100 members or 70 members or whatever it is. Or what they do is a lot of times they'll get some of the members, you know, hey, listen, this is, they must be making money hand over fist and they'll set up down the street with money that's been bankrolled by some member, you know, in your gym. That's been, uh, out of the places I know, that's happened a shit ton of the times.
0: That's actually yeah, more common than people listening might realize, like, you know, they have their favorite coach that they want to support. They look at it as an opportunity for them to invest, you know, someone that has money and wants to grow it in this coach. And then they bankroll the box. The coach has their own space, you know, spoiler alert that typically doesn't end well, but, no. um, but it happens, you know, you know, I've seen plenty of people lose friendships multiple ways that way, but, I think the big lesson becomes, wow, Doug was a lot better than this that I realized, and I didn't realize how hard he was working.
1: Well, it was different. That's one model, right, where you have really kind of dependent on what you would call professional coaches, right? And one of the things I think that's one of the weaknesses of CrossFit in general as a business model is the lack of personal training. Coach Glassman started as a personal trainer. I started as a personal trainer all the guys that were successful early on and continue to be to some extent are personal trainers. So in other words, in order to be a successful personal trainer, not only you have to have a quality instruction, a good personality, but you have to have a business acumen, which, you know, you take a 22 year old kid that just got his level one, six weeks ago, and you put him in charge of a 5:30 class at any, any affiliate, he's going to have 25 people or 30 people in class. And he's going to think he's good because he has a bunch of people in class.
0: Not realizing they're there because of the business got them there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they just end up what I what I call the difference between queuing, coaching, and actually training. And there's kind of this continuum of they parrot the latest you know video that they saw on the dot com. Oh yeah, hey, heels back, butt back, knees out, sit back. Oh yeah, cool, keep your chest up, keep like you know keep the string between your belly button and sternum straight and tight. You know they parrot. Yeah. Rather than understanding, it's like diagnosing problems. And when you do a lot of personal training, you work with a whole lot of very eccentric movement patterning. It's 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 amazing.
0: Well, so you, de- go you ahead. develop that's- a lot as well. You know, I was actually talking about this with my wife last night. She was working out our development as like a little gym, and there's a trainer that kind of hangs out in there and does this thing. And she was like, for one. I didn't realize what you did before CrossFit, you know, cause I was a trainer and she was like, that's why you're pretty good at talking to people. Cause you had to be with them for an hour. And I was like, yeah. And I had to talk to people that I didn't really like that much or have anything in common with, you know, not necessarily didn't like them, but older women for the most part. It's like, I don't have a lot in common with you, but I had to make a conversation. So you grow not only as a coach from that, I understand how to move people better, but just as a you know, socially, understanding humans, emotional intelligence, all that stuff is happening when you're a one-on-one trainer. Absolutely. So, so oh, go me, ahead.
1: of the models, it's, you know, that's one model where you have professional coaches, right? You, and the thing is, we want to have professional coaching because, in all honesty, the, the, the people that talk shit about CrossFit in the marketplaces, they watch somebody doing something on a video on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, that, which is pretty asinine. And because they think, oh, this is going to be cool. It's constantly varied function movements, varied to the point of randomness. Remember that? Yes. Uh, and what they don't understand is that there's whole percussions that go with that. And somebody, what you're seeing is, it's like somebody that takes a gun and they shoot somebody and it's totally, in a, you know, I mean, it's, that's not what they're for. They're there for personal defense. Now, if you use the gun inappropriately, you're bad on you, not bad on the gun, right? CrossFit's the gun. Guess what? If you use it incorrectly, bad on you. It has nothing to do with CrossFit because mechanics, consistency, intensity. Mechanics, consistency, intensity. So model one, professional training. Model two, personality training. Think about this. You have a whole bunch of part-time guys. They're trading for memberships. They're getting a free membership. They're showing up. They're reliable. They got other jobs, and but people like them. And you walk into a class like that, and you see a third of the people moving pretty well, a third of the people like, ooh, yeah, they probably need stuff, and then a third of people who shouldn't even be there, right? And so, but they, what they're doing is they're walking, they going, hey, Jason, good job, good job. Thank, dude, you are awesome. You're going to get so fit. you are amazing. And their personalities but they're not professional trainers because it's not what they do. They get a free membership, they teach six classes a week, and the business does really, really well because they have really nice people. But the quality of the instruction, right? And it's it's a very conscious decision on the business owner's standpoint, from the business owner's perspective, is do you invest in, someone who could fuck you in the end excuse my language or do you have a whole bunch of you know part-timers fun people to be around and you center your your affiliate on on socials and going up and you know people sleeping with other people type stuff you know i mean it's it happens all the time like yeah i just, there's other stories like that My one of my trainers used to bag
0: his yeah he was a bad dude <laughs> so Okay, you you bring up some good points and I totally understand what you're saying. Where how do you bridge the gap and do you bridge the gap? You know, is it I think part of what you're saying is it's okay you ran more of a professional coaching side where you're developing people that can then leave. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do we bridge that gap of we want these people that are, you know, I'd say a, a nice way to put it are cheerleaders. You know, they throw some cues out, but they're just helping people have a good time, which is important. How do we get them to develop as professionals as well?
1: When you figure that out, you let me know and I'll open another brick and mortar.
0: <laughs> that's that's the challenge. And that's, you know, the people that I've had on fed recently, Chris Cooper and Sean Pastage, who just, you know, who both have the same philosophy of we need to develop professional coaches, but it is hard and I think, either box owners listening or coaches listening, all of that will resonate because the average person listening probably is that personality coach. They train two to four hours a week, and it's hard. They just don't... It's time and money, right? They have a full-time job, and they do this because they love it, not to spend thousands of dollars on professional development.
1: Let's step back and say that's okay. Okay. Now, so this was back in the day. 2002, 2003. So they charged at, it was at Ballet's. Now it's at, it's LA Fitness. Now it's merged and now that it became, you know, all this stuff, right? It's where I started training at, right? One of my old fraternity brothers was the um, PT director. So I go in there. And one, I had a unique background because I'd been, you know, way back in the early nineties when I first got out of college in an NBA. And then I ended up doing wall street stuff for a while for Smith Barney and I fucking hated it. And needless to say, I mean, sitting around, you know, selling on the phone all day long, which is which is a challenge. And it's a different market now. So I'd had salesmanship skills. In other words, you learn how to, you know, show people the value of what you have. If you can't show people the value of what you have, you have a fantastic product that sits on a shelf. It's not good economics. So I'd had a combination of knowing about training and working out and being a former athlete and all the, all of the stuff we would do. And then I had an ability to sell. So I, you know, my I think I did hundred thousand dollars in gross sales my first year as a trainer. So, which is not bad. And we'd sent a bunch of records and there was there's a whole bunch of infrastructure that had happened at the time that was that doesn't exist anymore in that business because they wanted to have professional personal training, but they didn't want the trainers to make money. So the split was, I think it was 40% or 50% for us. And so at we're making, you know, I'm charging $80 to you know, $110, depending on the session at the time. And so you think about it, people are training three days a week, right? So I'm making, you know, $50, $50, $50, $55 an hour doing personal training. But it had to, one, attract the client, two, retain the client. And so this was kind of a business within the business for those guys. And what happens with CrossFit is, is people, it's, it's, a, it's a group class based situation. So now, you know, here you are as my, my new level one instructor, you now are officially qualified to go out and teach a class. And let's say that you've come out of the community anyway. And so you know how we do progressions and stuff. So basically what you are is your substitute teacher for whoever's running the business. And that's, and that's one of the things you run into with it. Now, when you ask the people who are trainers like that, hey, let's you know, the, hey, Doug, I need to make more money. Yes, <laughs> do, absolutely. So, when was the last time you, you you were at Starbucks and you asked somebody, hey, you know what, you're watching this video, you you work out, start a conversation, and bring them into the business? That's one of the real weaknesses of the the class driven model, right? Because you can't pay a high percentage based on a margin, like you know, just your pool of pool of revenue for general um, general memberships, right? So that margin you're always pushing against it. So you give the guys an opportunity, but they don't have the opportunity to sell. Everyone's afraid to sell. You know, I mean, as level one staff, right? You think you're a great instructor. Here it is. Every weekend, you get 60 people paying $1,000 a week or a month or $1,000 a month, a, a, a session, right? And you get out and we do the Shakespeare. We teach Shakespeare, right? We taught Shakespeare. I taught Shakespeare that way. But what it is, is we learn the same jokes. We pass those around. We have a personal link. By the way, it comes down to diagnosing. Why does this kid's hip shift as he comes out of the bottom of his squat Versus, you know, what he does. I'm thinking about a hockey player I train right now. He's like a seventh, eighth grader, and has a huge hip shift. Has a huge dominance on one side versus the other, almost, almost a scoliosis type thing. And and the thing is, is that that's not what you learn. You learn cueing and how to run classes. make sense. You haven't fallen, but you don't have the ability to train individuals yet. Training, spending an hour with an individual, you say you don't like them. I won't take anybody I don't like. Well, this was thing. back
0: in the day. Yeah. I was just trying to pay bills. Now I'm the yeah, same way. Well, yeah. It's it's like, like, you know,
1: I'm spending an hour of my life. We're sharing in a half hour, 45 minutes of, of our life together. You're a funny, cool dude. I've known you for how long, right? I'm excited to talk to you. That's how you should feel about your customers. And if your customer is a douchebag, you know what? They need to find somebody cause it's a bad fit. They need to find somebody better. That's going to fit better with them. So I think that's the major weakness in the model, is that we are class-driven overall. And a lot of these, these trainers who might, you know, I have one trainer that was, you know, um, wasn't really being a trainer, kind of intern a little bit, pretty smart kid, you know, whatever, couldn't sell a sandwich to a starving man. Like, literally, you give the guy a lead, because what I did was everybody went through 10 private training sessions prior to joining classes, did two things. Two things were, one, it made sure it was a good fit between that person and what we do, all right? The two things have to mesh together. And it gave the trainers a script to follow for those sessions, so they got very, very good at teaching the basics of CrossFit. So they would have a sheet that they'd have a check mark on.
0: So so let me ask you, you know, I agree with what you're saying, and, and that it is a challenge, you know, what I... I remember back in the day I would try to sell one-on-one training. I would literally get like $15 out of the $60 that the gym was getting at Gold's gym. So it was just, that's why I was training people I didn't like because I just needed to you know, pay my bills. So you brought up earlier, I think it was before we got on, we recently had an episode on the on-ramp where we discussed just pros and cons. When you had the, the bigger affiliate model going, you did 10 one-on-one sessions mm-hmm. and how did you get to that place? Did it start with nine or eight, or was it just one day you went 10?
1: So before I had gotten involved in CrossFit, I had been you know, uh, doing a lot of personal training and doing boot camps. And there was a gentleman down, I got hired to go and do some consulting work for this, rel- this like multi-million dollar personal training space in Indianapolis. And I went down, and his model was based off of a half-hour training session. So here's Jason, you know, you send me an email that you want to join my gym. Fantastic. I respond. You come in, we set an appointment, you show up for the appointment, right? And then you go 10 half hour sessions. There's two things. What we we've done out of CrossFit is we made the price point for training so low that people don't see the value in training anymore. They just, I'll just do a class. I'll just do a class. When those people really need, personal training. They need to have somebody really correct their movement patterning. And so what this this guy had done was that he wanted to, I brought my boot camp program to him on how to do it and how to set it up. And then I was looking at what he was doing business wise, he was doing a million and a half dollars a year in revenue on personal training only. They didn't have a regular gym membership. There was just a 1.5 on just personal training at the time. Which was huge, had a beautiful a property, had this beautiful building, and they had the space they were going to do a group class to fill in. And this was a good chunk of it was just when I first got involved with CrossFit. And so I decided, and I had been converting my boot campers to being crossfitters, right? So the price point for boot camps very low. The price point and expertise cost is much higher for CrossFit because it takes a lot more expertise to run a crossFit class run a boot camp class. If you've got if you got abs and you're not completely a moron, you can run a paid boot camp program, right?
0: Correct.
1: Yeah. I don't sugarcoat things, do I?
0: No, not a, that's all right. I don't think people want to hear sugarcoated stuff. So but my question to you then would be all right, so you have these CrossFit coaches out there now and they do want to go from hey, I am the two hour week, four hour week to make this a living. What's your advice on how you convince people to do personal training cuz cuz you're right the the benefit and the beauty of crossfit is it's you know $150 train as much as you want in a group session you get some one-on-one attention but now we have to take a step back and say that's why we brought you here but we actually think you need to pay $100 an hour to develop you know better squat balance you know you want to learn how to do a kipping pull up this is what we need to do etc what's the what's the path to that
1: so the path is this. So what I had done is I was like, okay, I had this problem because guys couldn't sell personal training. None, none of the guys, one of the, one of the major mistakes I made, none of the trainers I had it, all the way top to bottom in my entire career were successful trainers on their own. They were never, they never came in with it. So they never had the ability to do that. So, but everybody would join. Let me talk about the process and how people did personal training. So you join, you send me an email. I didn't have a phone number on my, my website because one, I wanted to have somebody that can follow instructions. And, the, and you're screening out people that don't fit. Because if somebody doesn't fit into your business, your culture, then they don't belong in your business. So if somebody can't follow basic instructions, send an email, make an appointment, right? So now this person has interacted with us three or four times prior to even walking in the door. Right, and the worst thing you can have happen is somebody walks in the door during a class. There's an instructor on the floor, and you don't have money for a for a front desk staff, right? So they wander around a little bit, cash box disappears, you know that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so then they go, hey, you give them an intro session, and this is the one we built off of Andy Patronic's thing, which was the baseline. Remember the baseline?
0: Yes, the baseline but, test.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now people understand that the process of training for CrossFit requires a brain, requires a brain. So here, here you are, you're super deconditioned, right? And I have you, I teach you how your technique, everything we have has technique. So I'm selling you on a concept idea of, listen, we're going to teach you how to do everything you need to know. You snatching a barbell on your first day is malpractice, right? So, but how do you build that up? So you have a progression, a series of, a curriculum you know how do you how do you learn english when you're a kid right you know i mean and then all the way through college so they have 10 sessions and then what we did was is that amongst the staff we would rotate so you would go to me the first time maybe then you go to a the next person so we all get to know you so there's any kind of we've seen you move so you show up to class one we know your name two we've seen you move and three we have some sort of semblance of a relationship okay and 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 that's important because that person needs to be valued, welcomed, and respected. So I value you coming to my business. I want you there, and we respect you because we're not going to just throw you into a class without proper training. You know, that's and then, then you think about the lawsuits that have come in at CrossFit. That's where it's where people are just throwing them into the into a class, and a lot of times they don't even have a waiver on them. So we would have this process of teaching these guys, people, and they would baseline the beginning. Go through their progression, which was all of the basic skills and everything they needed to know to be able to, to scale generally in a class, so that you're not taking up 90 percent of the coach's time if you're kind of a, a movement uh, movemently challenged person.
0: Good way to put it.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. I had I had something more impolite, but I actually so, chose polite change
0: The so people, if they went through this, you know, found you, emailed you, etc., they would do. What was the cost of these ten sessions?
1: Well, it was three fifty for ten bucks so a half hour. That's,
0: that's not bad price. It's a very cheap all. price. Yeah.
1: And what happens is, is this, is that now part of the concept is, is that we're training you to be responsible for your own training. So you need to show up 15, 20 minutes early. You're supposed to. And on the first day we teach you how to warm up. So you grow a thousand meters and you do what we 30, 20 and 30. When I, when I first cry CrossFit, Okay. How are we going to teach people, the average people, to do a squat? So I got wood, wood dowels before we got PVC pipes back in the day.
0: Before Rogue started selling PVC.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, And so we'd have them practice 30 air squats, 20 pass-throughs, because most people have really shitty shoulders, and then 20 overhead squats to a ball. And it's all with a PVC pipe. They're supposed to do that on their own. And then we teach them how to mobilize where they would go out and do tissue preparation prior to doing it. So they get in the habit of they come to a class, class is an hour. I want you there early, and you're taking care of all your things. get build that culture, right? And then at the end, a lot of times we would set up a – a workout that would extend past that half hour, right, but you don't need a whole lot of coaching to do an air squat and a push-up or whatever, some sort of simple thing, but you need enough of a metabolic hit to make make changes happen. So so that session that was a half hour, you're a half hour paid with the instructor, but the other half hour, you're there on your own taking care of yourself, and the idea is, is that we educate, we motivate, and we lead. We're not babysitters. And that is a huge thing for your culture of the business.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. You're, I mean, you're just developing good quality members by doing that.
1: You'll ever <laughs> see that Julie posts this every once in a while, The one of the 10 sessions of, of her intros. That thing where she said, like, when she was first, she got Bambi knees and the whole bit, Right. You know, it's like her sixth or seventh session, but you post, I got a million hits on it on my YouTube channel. It's pretty crazy. But that wasn't special. I used to video every single session I did and I would do it in two directions. One from the, like kind of a 45 and one from kind of, kind of like in this area. Right. So that I would go back and I would put them together and then I would review it and see is like, I would listen to what I was saying and queuing versus what you know, what's happening in front of me. So like a lot of times I would watch a session, I would watch your session, Jason, and, and I would evaluate my performance as an instructor. Oh, man, I I didn't, I didn't, you know, like their, their weight was shifting forward. That's why their heels were coming up. It wasn't because they have tight heel cords, right? You know, whatever. And I would, I would evaluate them. So I literally have thousands of sessions, literally got like 3000 videos on, on my YouTube channel and a good chunk of them, our evaluations of of training and so i'd have all my staff were supposed to they didn't do it because some of them weren't super motivated all the time they're supposed to video their session and then take some time to review it especially as they're going through their complex we had a complex we followed and and that allows you to you know it leads to your personal training pro- professional training right so where does your eye go You ever do the drill where it's like, okay, where does your eye go? What are you seeing? And so you look at where, hey, I'm watching the heels right now, and I'm watching as he's going through a squat. The weight's going to shift fore and aft on his foot, right? And should it be? And how much should it be? How much is going to be, like, reasonable? And, like, why, what's the causation of it? What's causing that shift in the foot? That would be one thing. And the video has allowed us to do that. And Julie kept sharing that. She shares it every year because it's an anniversary thing, and she's kind of a cool and traditional person. And, um, but I have, you know, and she didn't, if you look at the video, she doesn't look special compared to anybody else, but that adherence to mechanics, consistency, intensity, it's really was one of the major differences for us, you know, and what we did. And that intro session package was huge,
0: huge. So we definitely want to find out what your YouTube, but for people that are listening, you're referring to Julie Foucher. You were, you were her original coach in CrossFit. Yeah. So I've, I've not seen that video. I'll have to check it out. But you, it, I think that's really important. What you said is coaches evaluating their oh. own coaching. That's mm-hmm. how you're going to mean if, if a coach is listening and they're thinking, okay, what Doug is saying is resonating. I'm in, you need to improve as a coach. That's a simple and easy way to do that.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, went through a situation where I do my staff, you're talking about staff development where we practice, you know, like, you're not foundational movements, right? Everybody learns them at level one, right? Oh, I got this. I'm going to dip, drive, I'm going to press overhead. Dip, drive, press. Oh, fantastic. Now, let's go ahead and speed this up a little bit and see if we can make faults happen, right? Yeah. Now, imagine if I put a mic on you, and we video you teaching that series, and then we evaluate you as an instructor, for, uh, and you get to hear what you say. And you hear the... Um, Hey Jason, um, uh, like I want you to put your who's, who's cool. I want you to put your thumbs on your shoulders and say, "Oh, I'm cool." I'm, yeah, I'm cool. All right, cool. Um, okay, now we're gonna dip and we're we're gonna we're gonna dip and drive, right? We're gonna dip and drive. We're gonna dip it. No, no, no. Wait, remember you gotta be vertical. Oh yeah, not dip and drive. You know, and, and you catch all that shit, and you're super self-conscious and it's absolutely horrible. But when you see yourself teach, you go, ooh, now you got that. That, that's, that leads to professional instructors, people that don't go or have weird colloquialisms. It's like, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> First of all, this is audio, but people need – I'll put the video up of you doing all of this because I'll put oh, it, it on our video, YouTube channel. That's
1: actually good. That's good.
0: So I'll make sure we have it but it's funny because some people may be listening and think that was the best progression for the push press I've ever heard. So they're <laughs> not, you know, they're not grasping. <laughs>
1: like the they food. look like a monkey fucking a football. Well,
0: they're not grasping that and they're not grasping a lot of the bad stuff happening. Cause maybe they don't know. And I told the story when I had uh, somebody chatting about their intern program on I, when I used to do my intern, we would film and I'd have them film and I had a guy just like that. And he was super professional in the real world talked really well and he would say okay every other word when he coached okay okay and I I called him over and I was like let's watch this I said let's count how many times you say okay he said I didn't the first time he watched it he goes I didn't say it once and I looked at him I said are you being serious like you're messing with me right now I go let's watch it I'm gonna do a dash every time you say it and then finally he caught it and this is a really smart really Financially well off, has a big deal job. So imagine if you know, you're new to this, how much you can pick up from watching yourself coach. I think that's invaluable what you're talking about.
1: It takes time. You know, and if you are, and that leads to, back to our original problem, you have a professional coaching staff or you have a whole bunch of part-timers. Or you have a, you know, the, they call it like a, the good old quality mixed economy where you have some socialist policies and some Republican policies, but some of them are kind of mixed and where you have, you have three or four, three, three professional trainers or two professional trainers, and the rest are just part-timers, you know, the mixed economy. That's pretty
0: good. Yeah, that's that's that. a, that's a, and that's exactly, you know, I've, I've my, one of my boxes, that's what I had, four or five guys that would, you know, train all day and then a couple that would just show up and, you get mad at the ones that aren't giving their all because you have these guys that are willing to develop. Yeah. So... Uh,
1: problem. It, well, it's a... There's... It's, I don't know if it's a problem because it depends on if, one, are you making money? Two, are you, you know, are your customers happy? And you know what? People that live down in the holler in West Virginia think it's some of their 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 inner... Their, inner, their behaviors are okay.
0: Yeah. Hey, you know... <laughs> If we we, <laughs> <you> know,
1: <laughs> we can, hey, my mom and dad get divorced, so are they still brother and sister? I don't know.
0: <laughs> if if people are willing to video themselves and develop, do you have one or two other tips you would give to somebody listening that says, All right, I do want to take these steps and improve as a coach?
1: I would say make sure that your entry program is consistent. So, in other words, if I say, okay, these are the minimum level of requ- MLC, minimum level of competencies that a person needs to have in order to do a class, right? How do you do a class? You know, what are, the, what are the minimum level progressions you have to be able to know as an instructor and as a consumer in order to participate in a class? Because if you're not leading people through progressions, yeah, that's not quite, uh, that's not quite the thing. So you know, they,
0: everybody needs to have the consistency. People need to develop the, you know, at least the ability to do a certain number of movements and do them properly mechanics. What, what else would you say? What would be one other tip you would give a coach?
1: And I would think is, is that how you operate your classes need to be consistent. So in other words, how Jason teaches a class, how Doug teaches a class is how, you know, Catherine teaches a class needs to be consistent they need to be homogeneous 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 where it's kind of okay so we start on time we've all had those instructors that don't start on time mm-hmm. crazy right and then they go over when you have back-to-back classes and so the class in front you can't do the warm-up because everybody is still breaking down all their equipment from the class before and then there's a social you know, I mean, i mean follow me it's like those things need to be executed consistently Consistently. The other thing is I, I really had done a lot of was this thing called coaching behind the lens. So one of the things that, that I had done, and actually on my, one of my, uh, we'd had Picasa back in the day, we would upload all of our photos. And so in every class, part of the social interaction between the coach and the client was to make sure that you talk to everybody in the class a minimum of three times. So if I'm walking around, I have a good pattern for how you're set up. Up. So but what they would do is like, hey Jason, I, I want you to stay back in your heels a little bit more. Let me show you. And they'd have this canon, it was, I think it was a 60 D at the time. And they would they would shoot a series of photographs, right? And then they would go, hey, take a look at this. And then they would say, they would, oh my god, the customer would go, Oh, I get it. Because they didn't they can't visually appropriceptively, they're, they're just not there yet, right? And and so the people would go to these things and they would get mad if we forgot to unlo- upload the pictures because they would pull on the pictures and use them for their social media. You know, cause we would have really cool photos. And like, I got like 240,000 photos and I, I'm not exaggerating. I looked the other day I'm like, God, I got too many photos and videos and of people doing classes and training. And it was one, it's cool for social media, but you get a chance, you get a chance to see yourself operate, you know, in other words, you know, you don't, you might, Hey, my, my buddy, Ed, he's, I teach him how to do Krav Maga, I'm a Krav Maga instructor. And so I'm like, okay, Ed, okay, put your hands in front of your face. And he puts his hands in front of his face, said, are they at eye level? He goes, yeah, they're, at, he's like this. He goes, yeah, they're at eye level. Are you sure? Where are your, eyes at? <laughs> are your eyes at? where your nipples are? No. Bring them in front of your face. You know, it's just basic stance stuff. And because, He's a, he's a Ford MBA guy, super brilliant, just retired, good buddy of mine for many, many years, has nicest guy on the planet, has, like, he's driving around, his car's driving around with nobody at the wheel because he doesn't move his body real well. He's got a yeah. hate- but it's true, and I would, you know, and I'm going to do what I can to help him out and get him to move better.
0: And, and anybody I, that didn't own an affiliate back in the day, like we did, cannot understand the fact that we had to upload all those pictures like that before Facebook, before smartphone, I used to upload 12 at a time to my type pad website. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. But you're right. And people, I, you know, if they weren't up by like 10 o'clock people, where are the pictures up? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Nightmares coming back. Our, our, this is some great advice for new coaches. I always like to ask everyone, do you have a book you recommend people read?
1: Yes. Well, I actually, I do a book of the week for my people are in my programming. And the reason is, is that one is I think that people don't read enough. You know, we scan articles and we do podcasts and we do stuff like that, which I think is fantastic. I think uh, I recommend a bunch of books. I just did. Um, I one I love Robert Greene's books. Uh, Robert Greene, his latest book is right here. Oh, oh yeah. The laws of human nature.
0: Oh, yeah, I see that one in the the airport all the time, yeah.
1: Well, the thing is with this guy, I mean, Robert Green does some amazing research and has a lot of historical things that go along with it. I just, uh, a couple weeks ago, this is, I live in Michigan, it's relatively near Ann Arbor, okay, so here's, I want to preface this. I read Urban Meyer's book from, from Ohio State. (laughs) <laughs> and the reason is is one of the guys I know is a, is a high level football coach and, but he, he recommended, have you ever heard of Focus 3? I have not Tim Kite has a whole bunch of, of stuff I mean actually anything written or, or if you can get into the classes by Tim Kite definitely worth it um, and you know what, these are all current event type things I will say this, is if you're living in the United States of America and you haven't read Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead you're wrong you know, you got to get past some of the, the volume of it all. But the key problem that people have in general, and that doesn't have to do with business or politics or anything else, is we don't have a philosophy that we really adhere to, right? You know, our philosophy in CrossFit's mechanics, consistency, intensity. We're developing work capacity across broad time and modal domains, right? That's what our philosophy is. And so now if everything that you do filters through those those gateways, right? So if you're programming something, is this adherent to mechanics? Yes or no. Is, are we, have we done this often enough to have a good pattern? Okay. And then uh, is it, can we raise the intensity level in a safe manner? Yes or no. Are we creating work capacity? What's the work capacity that is our goal? You know, those are the things that our philosophy in CrossFit, right? What's our social philosophy? What's our political? What's our economic? What's our, and, and have those things because we're in a day and age where we have an attention span of the half-life of one of those really big freaking molecules at the end of the periodic table that they're there for like nanoseconds or if that, right? Our attention spans are wrong. And I think that people need to really establish who they are and what they're about and figure out, you know, what fits into your philosophy and what does not. I think if that's one thing that that's outside of this realm of thrusters and burpees is figure out what the hell you're doing and why you're doing it.
0: Solid advice. And I'm about halfway through Atlas Shrugged. And when I'm done, I'll have to have you back on for an Atlas Shrugged discussion. Who is John Galt? Who is John Galt? So where can people find you on the internet? You mentioned your YouTube channel. What's that?
1: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm so, sure if they go on YouTube and search Doug Chapman or HyperFit USA, they'll find you, right? I think so. <laughs> and I've got,
1: like, honestly, I, uh, I, you know, I'm not a. Uh, I. One of the things that really irritated me about. With it, the trend, I think it's the same thing where Coach Glassman kind of has gotten away from the game so much is he, I think he got tired of booty shorts and attitudes and like nobody that was interesting to talk to, you know? And they live in social media and do my white booty shorts make my ass look good. Well, at my age, 51, I got news for you. My ass ain't what it once was. So <laughs> it's like, a, hey, i going to do it. Um, I'm not much in that. I got HyperFit USA on Instagram, which is cool. I usually. Put something. I try to put fun. People don't get my sense of humor, so I had to create a a a fictitious person that I am for the other ones.
0: Um, Well, we'll definitely check out on HyperFit USA. Look for him on YouTube. And whether you look for him or not, understand that that was a great tip that you dropped to video yourself, and not just about the athletes moving, but what you're doing. So, Doug, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I'm excited to. Man, Atlas shrugged. Like you said, you have to get over that size. I'm about 60 percent into it it's a great book i'm excited it's, to finish it but it's, where are you at
1: right now
0: oh i'd have to look i'd have to think for a second you know uh let's see have,
1: has she gotten to galt's galt yet?
0: no 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 i'm not even on part three i'm still like deep into part two awesome uh, not it's, it's
1: non-contradiction
0: yeah it's tough it's tough but I, i'm enjoying it It's like you said i think it's something it was one of those things where i think everybody should do it in their life and i'm I'm gonna finish it hopefully yeah, within yeah. the next month or two.
1: The other author, I think, that parodies that, that Miss Rand is uh, Jordan Peterson.
0: Jordan's great. I've, I just finished um, 12, the, princ- twelve principles.
1: So my first book from him was his Maps of Meaning. Over my head in so many ways. <laughs> it was pretty intense, and then it just I just got the Twelve Laws a while ago. That's so good. Yeah, that was a good. great book.
0: Hey, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of the day, Doug. Yes, sir. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did one more time, please leave us a review on Apple podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, we appreciate you. Thanks again.